music, mindfulness, and madness. There it is. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm D Madden reporting in. I'm the, the the field reporter reporting in from from the great Northwest in in the in beautiful Portland, Oregon. Who 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 who's who's the guy who who's who's the guy I was just talking to? Mm-hmm. That was Michael Haley, Los Angeles, California. Technically, Studio City, the city of studios, where every 50 yards you'll find a recording studio. It's amazing. Home of the Super Bowl today. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday. In Inglewood. Inglewood. Up Ground to pounding. Nitro burning. Football. Pointy brown balls and black hot liquid. I don't know. I'm not sure what game Michael's watching. My name's Andre. I don't. <laughs> I'm in San Francisco. I don't. I don't think they do drag races at SoFi, Michael. Would make yeah. the game more interesting. Not yet. Not well, yet. It might. Uh, Is it? Didn't, that, didn't the XFL try that for a while? What do drag races at the? That probably. They were just doing a, uh, there's a motocross thing, I think, that's coming up in February down here at um, Angel Stadium. That's usually where they do it, open air, so they can, you know, rocket their bikes 400 feet into the air or whatever they do. Looks awesome. I did go to a, a monster truck event once, and that was amazing. It was just a bunch of meatheads. And including me watching this thing. It was pretty great though. It's just like who the who the fuck thought of this? This is incredible. I went to one too. I went to one where the um where the trailblazers play. A lot when 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 Gray was really young, Gray mm. and I went. Same. It was a, a very, very weird scene. Yeah, it's almost it's kind of akin to like a going to a Slayer concert and like I don't know what else. It was very, very fascinating. A lot of people watching, and anyway, I remember guys with like, uh, you know, those like baseball, those uh, plastic baseball hats. They were like, they turn them upside down and they fill them with like nachos, and then they give them like a thirty-six ounce beer, and it's just like, oh, it's a fist fight waiting to happen, covered in nacho cheese, and I was just like, oh my god, I loved it. That's, that's all I can say about it. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about today, is it? I think we're talking about realistic versus unrealistic creative goals. Is that a realistic goal for us? I don't know if we're going to make it through. I don't know. I may hurt D by the end of this. That's that. That's okay. Totally okay. I go through the internet there and squeeze your squeeze your fucking brain there. Um. Yeah, kick it, Michael. What, what what were you thinking on this topic? Well, I was I was thinking. Uh, I keep kind of bumping into this. It's it's uh, of course self serving here. Hello, and um, setting goals for myself. You know, like uh, the last thing I'm working on. I just kind of finished the last round of my uh, mixing, and I sent it out to a few people. And I can't remember if I sent it to you guys or not. I probably owe that to you guys. Love to get a little feedback, but like, uh, 
you know that sort of like what's the goal i said did i i i said by next sunday i'd like to have those mixes be complete and ready to be pushed up to whatever platform i'm going to put them on and i think when i was originally thinking about it i thought well i know i want to do three songs i just want to do like a little ep maybe four i have a fourth one but i'm like three for sure and i'm like that seems realistic. What kind of time frame am I looking at? And I'm like, I'd forgotten how long it takes. Well, you know, in every circumstance for mixing is different. Like these were partially done. All the basics were done. Uh, and the vocals were done pretty much a few things I had to fix, <clears throat> but I hadn't looked at these tracks in so long that I forgot that there is a bunch of other things that I wanted to add to it. So when I sort of, I went to go to the tracks. First of all, the guy who recorded them for me, we did like two or three different versions and he didn't label them very well. He labeled them well enough that I could go, oh, this is take, you know, one, two, and three of the, of the, all the basics. But some of them were like false starts. Some of them were, uh, who knows what. You know, so I had to, okay, I got to set that. So I didn't account for that. <clears throat> so when I set goals, then it's like, I, I didn't really account for that. With mastering, it's very simple. I, I pretty much know roughly how long it's going to take, including revisions and like, oh, that, that mix isn't going to work. Or did you intend to do that? You know, I kind of got most of the stuff uh, that's going to break down. I got it in my head, basically. <clears throat> and I mixed... Uh, I mixed some songs for a client. When was this? Just last month. Really great recordings. <clears throat> he sent me the stems, but then it's like, he's very particular about what he, how he wants to hear things. And, uh, um, and he'll, he'll change his mind about things too. So it's like trying to account for that stuff. And I can kind of build some of that in. There's going to be kind of like the mastering. There's going to be enough revisions. <clears throat> With this thing, I didn't say, you know, oh, this needs, each song needs like three guitars, maybe a couple solo guitar uh, tracks, and oh, it needs a backing vocal on each of those. I didn't really sit down and, and map everything out. So I had unrealistic expectations about what, how this was going to go and how long it was going to take. And there's kind of only so much planning ahead you can do too. It's, I think it's very valuable for me to plan ahead on projects. And so I have a, t so I can start to wrap my head around the time frame of it and then set a goal of like, okay, in two months, I'm going to have this done. And, uh, so anyway, that's what, that was sort of, you know, what had come up recently was just this little EP I was working on. Then I got it to a point and I'm like, oh shit, that needs a, like a, solo guitar in there and i thought i was done with it and i listened to it and i went what's missing here you know my girlfriend was just working on a project and she was it's almost done but she's like tonight there's just something missing i can't quite tell so i have to plan for that if i want any sort of relief that's part of the the fun part of it all for me it's got kind of the, the discovery of it but you can only do so much discovery and it just eats up time and if I want to hit like a target of like, oh, it's going to come out at this date, you know, this is some of the stuff I have to uh, take into to mind, you know, and like, and like Anu, your record, your latest thing, 
Did you have a, a date set for yourself when you were doing that? Uh, you talking about the, yes. the goth record? Uh, uh, Reveneer's Cure for Loneliness, which comes out tomorrow, uh, Valentine's Day 2022, available on Bandcamp and <laughs> places. Um, well done. Well, uh, yes and no. So um, I guess what I would say is that uh, I, I usually don't have date constraints on my projects when I start them with a couple of notable uh, exceptions. And those notable exceptions, as I've talked about, I think before, I've done the RPM project a couple of times where basically the primary organizing force for the project is that it has to be finished right. in a month. Um, but uh, when I, I actually started this goth record a couple of years ago uh, before I got sick and uh, a whole bunch of things kind of got in the way from our initial writing sessions. And it was really the beginning of the pandemic, maybe two months into the pandemic. So whatever, like April, 2022 or sorry, 2020 <laughs> that, um, that I, I, I really dug in and was like, okay, this is a great time to finish this record and to, to work on it, to, to take it to yeah. the next level. So all at that time I was not working, um, full time and had, uh, time and mental space and energy to really dig in and devote to the project, not just to like, finishing it. But uh, my, my goals were to make it better in every way than everything else I had done. before. Uh -huh. um, so there wasn't a it wasn't a time thing per se. But then as I as we got to the kind of last bits of it, I started thinking, okay, well, I don't want this to be one of those projects where the last 10% or 5% of it takes two years. <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, the, the end is in sight. So now I want to put a date on the calendar. And so I started looking for a release date. And, and I thought Valentine's Day was it was a good like no later than this date. Yes. And did that help to inform? I guess it didn't help to inform because you didn't have the date until later. But even in that time frame, you know, where you went, oh, Valentine's Day, all of a sudden things get a little sharper and you're like, oh, oh, shit, I got to get these five things done. Yeah, well, um, one of the down, we talked a little bit about this before, too, but one of the downsides of, of being a amateur musician or a home musician with a home studio is that you don't have any time pressure, right? You can take as long as you want writing, recording, mixing, bouncing stuff around, adding parts, deleting parts, et cetera. And I very much want to finish things. Like I, I have ideas, I want to execute them and I want to move on. I think that leaving them cooking for too long or working on them for too long, it strips them of magic and relevance and, and passion. And you end up with something that is like technically perfect, but kind of inert. And from my perspective, uh, in 2020, we, I pretty quickly got to a point where I was like, okay, uh, we have half the half the record done. We had like four songs done. And I was like, all right, another somewhere between three and five songs, you know, 40-ish minutes. Um, it'll be good and it'll be done. And I could start seeing what the next step was. Oh, we have to finish this song. Oh, I have to finish this mix. Oh, I have to put this guitar part down. Oh, we have to write one more song. And I tend to be very organized once projects get to that state of starting to run down and going, okay, well, we need album art and here are some ideas and we need to track the liner notes and we're going to have to get a license because we have a cover on this record and just making a, a list of all the stuff I have to do and then banging through it. And the stuff that I'm uh, in control of, I get done pretty quickly. It's where other people get involved sometimes that it slows down. So the person who's designing my album art can take a long time or things like that. 
Um, but I find that having those few tasks left and then realizing it's like, oh, I just got to do like these four things and then the record's ready to go is, is a very helpful uh, focusing function. The places where I get tripped up sometimes are that uh, I lose a sense of urgency about yeah. the project, you know, because it's not like, oh, it has to get done in two weeks. It's like, eh, I'll get to it whenever. And particularly around stuff like retracking a guitar or things that I can do here anytime. Got it. And plus, you know, both of you are in that world of, you know, hey, we have an idea. Here's the deadline. You guys need to go make this fucking thing, you know, or, oh, this shit's broken that you made before. Can you remake it? You know, does that for either one of you or both of you, does that, you know, that project management stuff play into your creative endeavors in a helpful way? Or does it drive you into a fucking K-hole of like a million details and it overwhelms? Or is it both? No, no. If anything, it does completely the opposite. I can't get anything done without the things I've learned. <clears throat> about managing a project. Yeah. So. Cause you got like the Trello and all those tools you use D. I do. What, what about your mimeograph records, D? How did, uh, did you have a sense of, I need to finish this around a certain time or like, what was your, um, your boundaries or your constraints there in terms of trying to get it done? Same deal. I mean, there wasn't really the, the, the last time I had uh, a deadline, hard deadlines for projects was when I was on Cleopatra. Yeah. So, um, and, and what was that like? Was it because they had already bought, um, you know, ads or they had a marketing plan or is yeah, it just like, it's, we're releasing well, 15 records this year and here's your <laughs> spot. That my only memories of that, um, were, uh, doing a lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah. Um, it actually went the other way. So they were like, okay, you got to get it done. 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 Okay. Here, here's, here are the masters. And then, and then they would go, okay, now we're going to figure out when we're going to release. It's like, what the fuck you guys like, really? Um, the, the put your hands down album is the one that comes to mind. Like we had that done and in the can, Michael, we had it done at like, it, it, it went, it, it dropped in like 93. Wow. We, we fit, we, we had it done and in the can at the end of 92. And we had to wait like six months for them to, to, to find a window to decide when to release it. Yeah. Which is weird, you know, because, because, you know, you're, you just continue to play shows like, oh, oh, you know, they go, well, it's going to be six months before we release it. And we're like, oh. Okay. So you can't really, you know, you can talk about it, but you can't really promote it. And, and, you know, we're still just like a bunch of boneheads playing around town. So we just kept playing around town and, uh, it's, it's, it's a weird thing because, you know, you tell people that no, really, we just finished an album and it's going to be out, but it's, it's not out. And they say, well, when's it going to be out? And then, and then you, then you have to say, you know, they're, they're still deciding sometime in the spring. It just sounds like bullshit. Yeah. And there's, and there's no, there's um, no, and then it, the, I was going to say, and, there, and there's no internet back then. You can't like, you know, no. broadcast it. And then overnight, you know, everyone knows that you're shit. You're just like yeah. making phone calls. Plus I think with yep. the constraints of a record company, which shift and change all the time, like any corporation, you know, they're just like, Oh, this shit's hot over here now. So we're going to take the focus off of D's project 
and go, we're going to put it on this new Lenny Kravitz record that's coming out because you guys are so alike. <laughs> you know, but like yes. they're trying to move stuff around to suit the bottom line and uh, or they just don't release it at all, you know, but <clears throat> that is an, another kind of a constraint where because uh, I'm I'm beginning to look more, you know, like I was looking at sort of Anu and, and how many times, how many records he's been putting out and I'm like, how many records would I like to put out this year in 2022? You know, and into to what degree? Um, so I've been thinking about goals, like how do I set realistic goals and how long are they going to take? And what am I, because I can definitely be too ambitious and get overwhelmed. I can get through it, but the experience of it isn't very joyful. It's not very happy. It's just like, oh shit, I got to get this done. And it's like, for who? Who the fuck is listening? <laughs> you know, like who's waiting for me? on the other side of this. And <clears throat> so that's the other part is like, okay, you can create a crowd, you know, a, uh, like we've talked about before, a community for yourself. That's waiting like a stark raving fans, you know, waiting for your shit that go like, fuck, I love that work. When's the new thing coming out, but without that sort of, you know, I need more than how, why am I setting goals? You know? And so what's that balance of motivation? <clears throat> I will say on the mimeograph stuff, that was the first time I started using Kanban <clears throat> boards, and uh, it made the, the the it made the, the the process of banging out three albums go pretty quickly and efficiently. What's the tool? And it and and it allowed me to do things like like you were talking about on it. It allowed me to just put it out of my head when I needed to put it out of my head. The the nice thing about a Kanban board is that everything that that's that you might be thinking about that you have to do, all the stuff that you just rambled yeah. off, Michael. That's just a card on my Kanban board. As soon as it's up on my Kanban board, I'm, I'm not thinking about it anymore. I don't think about it again until I open the, up the Kanban board and look at it. Yes. So a couple mm. things. Um, I, I don't know how much this, is, this would help, but, but I had a feeling this was, it was going to, it was going to kind of go in this direction. And there's a lot of stuff that I learned about my day job. Like, like I said, I, I've said it many times. I feel like I could write a book on agile development for music production engineers for, for, for music producers, just because I, I learned so much, like it just turned out that so much of what I learned about, about agile software development translated really readily to music projects. Um, when you have to, when you have a deadline for something, um, one strategy that, that, uh, tech, you know, that, that tech teams, uh, engineering teams have, have been using for a million years is, 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 is milestones, this idea of milestones. You, so you look at the deadline and uh, you may or may not, may not have heard of this thing called a Gantt chart, but back in the day, um, in the days of, of what they call waterfall software development, um, <coughs> they, would, they would use Gantt charts a lot more uh, they don't really, not really used as much for agile right now, but they are used for, they're even used for agile if, if there's a, if there's a deadline. So the idea is, is that the, the Gantt chart, um, is, it's like a, you can imagine like a timeline that, uh, where, where the right hand side of the timeline is the deadline you have to hit. Yeah. And then you start looking at like, okay, well, I know that I need, um, for this, this, this mixed down project that I'm doing for, for this friend, I know that I'm going to need like 
I don't know, uh, five ideal days. And an ideal day is, is, is a day where you have eight hours of time to spend contiguously uninterrupted. So say, you know, that you, you need historically, and, and you can, and the great thing about this is that you just, you just lean on what you know, based on history. Yeah. So if you know that this, this person, uh, the mixed job that you were talking about, that it's going to take like five ideal days plus a couple of days of notes from him plus another couple of days. Well, that's, that's what, that's nine days. So you, you, so you back up nine days from the end point and say, okay, I know that by this date, <coughs> I'm going to need to have everything done and at a point that, that I can actually really start mixing down for real. Yeah. Right. By this date. And, and when you get close to that date, that's so, so you, so everything that you're doing before that up to the date is you're aiming for that date. You're not aiming for the deadline. You're aiming for that date to, to, to have the stuff mixed ready. Yep. Then you're giving yourself time to, uh, to, to account for things like, well, this guy's finicky and he, and he changes shit all the time. Um, and, and then you can just, you can just find these dates and, and then like beyond that, like, like cleanup work. If cleanup work takes three days and you back up three days from that and then, and then you make that a date. Yeah. Um, for the other stuff that you're talking about, things like where, you know, I have to pick through the stems and, and I'm not sure what I'm getting. <coughs> there, there's an analog for that in software development too. It's called, it's called a spike. It's called a research spike. And um, something that, that we do in software development is, is, is if there's a lot of unknowns around, uh, around a, a chunk of work, um, that there's, there's not enough knowns to be able to accurately estimate, estimate the work that you have to do, then you do what's called a spike. And a spike is time boxing yourself to say two days to do something like pick through the stems, figure out if, um, if the stems are aligned at bar zero, like it should be, figure out what's fucked up, figure out what needs to be cleaned up. And I, I would think, you know, I don't know your business, Michael, but I would think that you could actually use that spike time to figure out if there's, if there's any bloat and then immediately get back to the client and say, look, I, you know, I just, I just started digging around in here and you gave me a pile of shit. <laughs> yeah. It's so a fucking, here's what I have to do. Here's what I'm going to have to do to just to get to a place where I can get started. And it's going to be an extra two days so now <coughs> I can, I can, uh, try to bend light and get that done, or you can give me a few more days, but it's, it's not going to, you, you know, that, that date that you asked for, it's going to be really difficult to do with what you gave me. So either you can fix this shit or I can fix it, but it's going to take a little bit longer. And what do you want to do? Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to, so there was a couple things that came up where you guys were talking. First of all, you guys are, well, I bow down because project management is, you know, what you guys are excellent at. And, uh, and I love how we can talk about the other side of it where it was like, how much of that applies to our own work? You know, with the the EP project, I don't think I really set, and I, I like that reverse engineering where you set like, here's the date when it all needs to be done and here's what it looks like, here's the goal. And here's here's what it looks like. And then you, you know, go backwards in time to build up a likely story about how the fuck this is gonna get done. Here's all the shit I'm gonna need. I'm going to need a little, a couple people, some, you know, for lifeline calls when I go, oh, fuck, what do I do with this? You know, or I haven't done this piece before. And some of that you will discover along the way, but I, I've tried to do that as much as I can. I did not 
do that so much with this EP. With my client stuff, it's really easy. Well, first of all, there's money involved that's not mine. It's going to be mine. And that really helps because that raises the bar for me of like, I'm, I'm way more likely to show up for someone else, money or no money, than I am, you know, for myself where I'm like, oh, do I want to do guitar work today on my own EP? And it's like, you know, if there's someone waiting for it, like a record label, sure. You know, of course, because then it's like, oh, then it's for someone else. So I, I find that really helps to have uh, an accountability an, an accountability yeah. partner. So I have that in, in most of the areas of my life or anything that I'm up to that's fucking important. I have an accountability partner who has something at stake as well. Like I think, you know, I don't just call my mom and go like, Oh, Hey, I'm almost done with that EP. And she's like, what? Oh, an e- you're working on an EP. I'm just like, Oh Jesus. You know, it's like, I need to call someone who's like, they're up to working on an EP. I have a, a buddy, John, who I talked to quite a bit. And, uh, he's always working on stuff too. He's got a, uh, an indie folk CD that he's working on right now. And he submits stuff to libraries. And so he's building a large body of work. And so he's doing that. He also plays bagpipes and he teaches bagpipes. So he's working on a bagpipe record of, he just told me about a project for a TV show that he's doing where they, he's going to be in the TV show. He's training people in the TV show, actors, you know, like how to hold the shit. And they also said, we need some music. <laughs> the great American bagpipe off. Well, yeah. It's just one of those things where it's a, it's a really unique world. He's really good too. He's also like a rock guy and he has kind of a Celtic rock thing that he does. And he plays these festivals and they pay him really, really well. And I'm like, wow, there's this whole niche, you know, that like he can fill. He's got with a band or without a band. And anyway, he's got, you know, uh, this, they also asked for, you know, oh, these are all traditional songs that you sent to us. Do you have any originals? And he said, yes. How many would you like? You know, and he's got stuff that he's written, but he's also like, oh shit, I don't have as many as they need. So I've got to craft some, you know, and it's like, what is your business? And like, what are the goals you're setting for yourself? And so if we're painting on a blank canvas, it's daunting, but it's also pretty fucking fun. It beats working. You know, um, you're still talking about combat. Like for, for me, Michael, my, my partner is my combat. Yeah. That's super fantastic. It's, it's my combat board. Um, I was going to say, all right, Hazel. Okay. Okay. You can use it on your EP too, Michael, you know, the, for, for your EP, it's just a collection of cards that there are the parts that you have to do. Uh, it can be another card about this extra thing, like in, in best situation. Oh yeah. I just, I just, um, like, like you're, you're, you just, you just pad time for, for, for maybe what, what, what we call in the day job fit and finish work. Um, oh, yeah. you know, and then, and then you, once you have that, once you have all that stuff on the board, you, there's, there's another, there's another aspect of agile I, that I don't act, actively use. With music projects, I just kind of do it mentally because I don't have to communicate stuff to a bunch of other people. But uh, I posted a link in there. There's this idea of story points. So you can give all of all of all of these tasks a point, and you can decide what a point is. And in usually in tech, uh, a point is typically like half a day. It's like four ideal hours. Um, everybody does it differently. Um, but you can you can, if you have a Kanban board. And you have these tasks on the board and you have a task out as, as, as best as you possibly can. You can kind of look at it and start doing what they call 
point math, velocity math. And from there, you can, you can, if, if you have a pretty good idea based on, on how long it's taken you to do things like this in the past, then you can build a pretty good picture of when you think you'll be done. Yeah. It's interesting. Once you have that, then you can start doing things like, or like volunteering to collaborate with your friend on his thing that he's working on. And because you know that you're going to be done with this thing by this yeah. day, or you can, you know, that you can table it and, and just push out your thing because you've got 10 points worth of work left to do. Well, it's been interesting that I didn't do anything like that for this project. Cause it's, I hadn't really gotten heavily back into doing my own music until really just late this last year. And, uh, and that was the, the project that I picked was like, Oh, I have these multi-tracks and I'm like, I just need to get this shit done. So more, it was more of like a, you need to get, like, get this. You you're committed to a large body of work, original work. And I already have a whole bunch, but I'm also like, when, why did I stop? You know, it's like, and I said, I do, don't answer that question. Just start, just finish the shit that you got, you know? And so I started with that <clears throat> and that was kind of it. And, you know, I can see that I would have had I done kind of what you just suggested and what I normally do for things, even like I went to this national park yesterday and I was looking at, I'm like, it's kind of a drive, you know? So how long is it going to take to get there? And I have to corral my, my girlfriend and go like, okay, you need to be up at this. And I'm usually really good at this. Like we need to be up at this time. We need to account for this amount of t- to like be dicking around before we like walk out the door to get in the car. I've already allotted for traffic. You know, it's all the same kind of thinking, but I had not done any of that. For this. You're so, you're so romantic. Such a romantic. Well, dude. I'm not telling her any of this. I've forgotten about how romantic those, those walks of ours on the beach on Venice beach. Were. Yes. Hey man, it's time. We got we got to work. Hey, if we're going to be skateboarding today, we need to leave in ten minutes. Yes. Yeah, but but this is this stuff. It, you know, it's it's funny, but it's important because you need to. We're talking about the the big picture topic was like realistic versus unrealistic yes. goals, right? And one of the things that you have to think about is like if you want stuff to happen. Realistic means you can do it. It is possible for it to be done. And in order for that to happen, you have to know what your capabilities are, but also like, what is the thing that you're trying to do? What are all the steps involved? And, you know, looking at the software development side of things as a example, you know, I I would state that absolutely my uh, experience as a product manager has come in incredibly handy at, uh, making projects happen, right? And making products happen. And a big part of that is envisioning both the big (laughs) picture, uh, like what is the thing that you're trying to do and why, but then being able to zoom in on the details of like, okay, great. Uh, We want to do this great thing. What are we going to do tomorrow? Like what is the first step that we're going to do and how are all those steps going to fit together? And part of why tools like uh, Kanban boards or Trello boards or things like that are so useful is it, it allows you to start writing down all of the concrete steps, right? What is the thing that I need to do? I need to write some songs. I need to track some instruments. I need to do a first mix. I need to listen to that mix in a couple of different locations and make notes. Then I need to revise those mixes. You know, like you can turn it into a series of discrete steps. And if you follow those steps, you should get something that comes out the other end. Now, in terms of things like we're talking about with like going on and taking your your, uh, uh, significant other, your sweetie out for a walk, it's like, 
if you don't do the plan, you can end up with one of those things where you get there and you have 30 minutes before the sun goes down and you're both hangry yeah. now um, and cranky because you've burned your entire day like dicking around and now nobody's happy like you spent all this time driving. You're not going to get to have that romantic walk. You know, everybody's resentful. Planning stuff out is how you uh, in my in my world is how you make sure something is a yeah. success. Uh, because you you know what you're trying to do, you know what the steps are, and you can figure out like, is this actually possible? Is it possible for us to achieve what we're trying to achieve with the limitations that we have? Yeah, it creates the background for success for sure. You know, and it's just it's as I'm talking about it, it's really curious that I did not do that for the EP, and I have to look at my own resistance to things. I think resistance maybe for another time we should talk about that. But yes, Michael, you have to look at your own resistance. And so I was looking at like you know. But I'm looking in retrospect now. It's like I'm, I'm, you know, the last like 2% waiting for some feedback, final tweaks. And then it's like, okay, website, platform, where am I putting stuff? How am I telling people about it? Kind of what we're doing with, with the podcast, but also like what Anu's been doing with his record and what you've been doing with your records, D. And just sort of like, where do I put stuff? How long does it take? And um, it's curious, you know, because I really like that. I mean, and you know, the going to that state park was a total success because I got the food the day before. I thought about it the day before that. I have plans for Monday, which is Valentine's Day. So you set that shit up too. It's just like, because otherwise it's just, if I just show up and go like, all right, you know, what are we going to eat? It's fucking, it's 90 degrees out. And where's that redwood forest again? You know, and it's just like, oh, I didn't get a map and I didn't talk to anybody about it. It's like, oh, how am I going to? I don't even know if it's open That's right. Today. Did I even look it up? Per that, that, what you did with that is a perfect example of milestones. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing, you know, but it, and it's, um, and without squeezing all the fun out of things, like I, we, D, I think you and I talked about it, you know, uh, leaving room for like dicking around with things. Like I, I make a point to like, I spend 15 to 30 minutes a day playing my guitar with no other intention other than to play guitar. Hopefully something will come, will fall out of my head and into my fingers. And then I can press record on my little iPhone and capture something. And it usually does. I mean, it's just, but if it doesn't, that's fine too. I actually, I exercise my fingers, you know, and, uh, and I got my brain working with my fingers to like, Oh, that's right. Cause I need to keep my chops up. And I also sing every day. I have like vocal exercises. I do really short, like 10 minutes, 12 minutes and those kind of things. They're in my schedule. I look down and I'm like, what did I tell myself I was going to do today? What did that bastard Michael tell me I was going to do today? And we're like, Oh, this looks pretty good. This looks all right. And if it's something I didn't want to do and I'm like, why did I put that there? And then I just have to push through and do it or not. But, uh, I think the planning, at least for me, my schedule is kind of, I was talking to my dad a couple of days ago about that. He's like super organized. He's retired now, but he's like, without his calendar, it's like he doesn't exist. And I have that same experience. I'm like, I if I had a blank count, I, I would fill it up quickly because I know all the shit that I like to do, but that's already in my schedule. All my values and everything I love to do and all the things that are important to me are in my schedule. And if they're not, they probably won't happen. You know, I have to put it somewhere, even if it's a post-it on a wall, you know, that says, you know, uh, go for a walk today or go outside, call somebody, any of that shit. It's all in my schedule and, and trying not to make it too squishy, but 
So is it, have you guys had? Uh... Well, yeah. I mean, for someone for someone who's so adamant about keeping a keep a being mindful of the schedule on a calendar, yeah. I would think you I would think you'd gravitate to this stuff more. But I'll tell you, for me, it's not boring at all. No, I love it. For me, it's exciting. Like doing this kind of planning and 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 drafting cards for a combine board. It's it's kind of exciting to me. And and uh, the 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 musicians that I've shared this this thing with who who use it actively now. Um, unanimously say the same thing. There's something enormously gratifying about moving a card from the left to the right, yeah. moving it from in progress to done. It's curious because, like, you can see progress. You can see you can see what you've done, and then you can see what you, what you have left. Yeah, it's it's gratifying. Yeah, it was way. curious that I hadn't done it for that. I hadn't really done any sort of project management stuff. The only thing I did was I knew it was going to take some time. Once the first thing I did was just say, okay, open the files dump them into a pros tools project and just see what's there, you know, see what kind of junk is in there. And so I did the first one and I'm like, okay, that took a lot longer than I thought that took an hour just to figure out that he mislabeled shit. And I got, you know, the three different takes and only one of them was the one, but it doesn't, there's nothing written in there that said this one, big green star, whatever. And so from there, it was kind of piecemeal. And I just, I vowed to not do that for whatever next thing that I do. And even with like co-writes too, I've got, I'm doing one with Anu right now. And I've got uh, one with my buddy, Sam. And so I just scheduled time to just sit down and like, okay, here's the next fucking step. But I hadn't done like a Trello board thing. And I'm finding like, boy, I think that would be really helpful. It definitely creates the background for success to occur you know, because without any sort of a plan, I'm just like you know, show up and be like, "Oh, well, well, you you have you have a plan. You you you've you've allocated yourself what a two hour block. Yeah, you, the stuff that 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 the stuff that Anu and I are talking about is is just is our tools that you can you can use to make the best use of that two hour block. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and one thing there's there's some tension between what we're talking about today, which is this idea that you're. Um, one path for getting from unrealistic to realistic is planning things out. And something we were talking about a couple episodes back about this idea of leaving yourself open to possibilities yeah. and things like that. And part of how you do that in, in software development is you give yourself time boxes for exploration, right? So um, for example, if you're working on writing a song, it's one thing to say, okay, you know, I've allocated Wednesday for writing this song, you know, eight hours. Well, uh, part of what you're trying to do then is to say during those eight hours, it's just like whatever it takes to get the song done. But at the end of those eight hours, I got to have something. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's the same thing you were talking about how you can get hung up waiting for feedback from somebody. Well, one of the things you can do is you can tell yourself, I'm going to wait one week for this feedback. And at the end of that week, whether I have the feedback or not, I'm moving on right? Because I don't want the project to get stuck. It's not a critical failure. And one way you can accommodate that is that you don't just rely on one person for feedback. You know, you send your mix out to like three or four people and know that at least one of them is probably going to give you some, some kind of feedback on it. So uh, time boxing like that and saying, I'm going to leave this sort of nebulous space where something can or can't happen in this particular period of time, but having it have a defined beginning and end is a, a really useful technique. And it's part of how you balance this idea of I need to schedule versus I need some, some serendipity. The other thing you were talking about, like I, I, I am definitely one of these people who is like super 
uh, militant about documenting sessions. I did a live recording with my band uh, about uh, 18 months ago. It hasn't come out yet. We went into Hyde Street Studios and spent a day uh, tracking four songs. And like a lot of live bands, we did multiple takes. And the engineer, when I finally got the hard drive from the engineer, hadn't like labeled any of the takes, even though he was like, okay, this of, of the ones that we had done, he's like, oh, this is the one. I had assumed that he was going to put oh, markers in oh. or some kind of label or something. So I ended up with like, no shit, six hours of basic tracks with like seven or eight versions of each song going back oh, and listening no, to no, them. No, 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 Yeah. Go, going back and listening to them all going, was this the one that we wanted to use? And, you know, then, you know, you're like, maybe it was this one. Yeah. Um, so that was a, that was a huge, a huge drag. Um, but as an example, like you started looking at the files that you got and you were like, oh, this is going to take a lot longer than I thought. That is an important insight because then immediately you revise the schedule yeah. and you're like, okay, this first one took like one or two hours to get sorted. So the subsequent ones, instead of being 15 minutes, are probably going to be like 90 minutes. And there is a lot of that learning that goes on with, with these type of projects. But the, the thing I want to come back to is this idea that like, how do you know if something's realistic or not? Well, you know it's realistic or not if you can envision all of the things that have to happen to get from where you are today for the, to this all thing being done. And as you go through that process, you might uncover more things that you need to do that you didn't yeah. think of and revise the schedule. Always, always the revision, you know, it was like, well, it was like that first time I opened the tracks up, I actually had opened one of them up before and on a different system and listen to them a little bit. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. This is cute. But I really didn't have the intention, the goal of a three song EP and kind of a by when, you know, I always have to have by wins because if I don't have that, it's probably just not going to fucking happen. I really have to set. And whether it's realistic or not is like, well, have I done it before? Or do I know someone that's done it before? I can call and ask somebody or I can go, oh, I did this before. But with this, I hadn't really, like the record I did with, UD, that was kind of, I hadn't really mixed in a while. And I was just like, well, this would be interesting. Let's just do this. Let's try one song and see how it goes. So that way I got, I can allocate this much time for this thing. And then I can go, okay, now I have a sense of how this is going to go. It's like taking on anything where you've maybe you've done it before you understand it, but like every project is a little different and the parts are all different. And um, I think that's really helpful. Like you got to leave room leave room for magic and leave room for chaos. Cause there's going to be some like, Oh shit. Like that. He hadn't labeled all this stuff. I was a little shocked, you know, but I also went, okay, I know what I'm in for. And each of the three songs was labeled a little differently. And there were some other parts where there was like three little guitar parts that were in there. I'm like, what the fuck are those? I'm not even, do those, do those parts go together as one track? Are they all? So I had to go like, and I'm also, beginning to mix as I'm, as I'm doing this, as I'm sort of assessing, I'm also like, Oh, I hear like a tape echo on this. So I put a tape echo on it and I'm like, okay, great. After I've made sure like, this is the right take, then I can start to add some stuff. But I'm also like, what are these parts? Why are they labeled different? You know, are any of these parts useful that are labeled differently that maybe I can put into the version that's not, you know, that is the right version. And I did some of that too. I found like an extra guitar part where I'm like, well, that's interesting. I didn't intend that, but I can pop that in there. So there's a little bit of magic to be discovered, but also leaving room for a little, you know, frustrating moments where I'm like, okay, I sort of hit a wall. I need to take a little break, come back to this. But um, 
Well, you you can you can leave room for your like. If you're just thinking about what you said about like, I, I know I wanted to be like three songs, but I'm not I'm not sure where we, what I'm not sure where we're going to go when we when I cracked open these stems. That's part of the spike. Yeah. You know, you can think of the spike as a card that says, "How big is this EP going to be?" based based on what I find in in the in the stems, and and that's your time to not have to think about the, the details like how many yeah. songs. Like you just don't like you're giving you're giving yourself that time. Well, I- to not have to think about that kind of crap. And then once you get through that, then you can start, then you can move on to the stories that, that involve working out what are the best. Yeah. Songs. Well, I knew it was going to be three songs, maybe four, but at least the three, just those three that I had recorded in that session at that time. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to wipe this off my, my permanent schedule. Like this is going to be complete or I'm not going to do it at all. I'm going to erase everything. <laughs> I was just like, I'm okay. done, but I like so, that. But I also like the so thing then, that you were saying, D, about um, uh, you know, you create the likely story for this stuff, <clears throat> which is exactly kind of the Charlo board. You're like, you got to throw. Okay, I need guitar parts. I have an idea. I have a, a, a sort of experience that I want to have. I wanted to have drums and bass and like some keyboard and some vocals, and I have a feel for the project. I don't have a name. I just I think I have a name for it now. But you like throw it all into that Trello bucket and you're just like, okay. And then, but you get it out of your head and into reality, something that's like you can hold or see in front of you. And that was the thing that with anything, whether it's like uh, a relationship with somebody where like things get weird and emotional and it's like, okay, I just need to write some shit down to get clarity, take it out of here and put it into reality. This really helps with my sort of mindfulness practice too, which is like when I'm meditating, I'm not sitting with a notepad next to me. I don't have a pen next to me. All the, I just, my job is to like breathe and pay attention to the fucking wackadoo thoughts running through my head until things calm down. I just got to bring my sort of the autonomic back down and just get regulated and just, and then, you know, calm the nervous system down. And that helps too in the process. And that sounds like offloading all that junk in the head about like, okay, these, these are all the parts we think we're going to need. You put it in that bucket and you're like, whew, great. Then you can organize the parts in the bucket and pull that stuff exactly. out. And then it becomes, exactly. I think kind of really what Ani was saying was like going from unrealistic to realistic. It's like, we don't know what's realistic other than, oh, that guy did that before. Mm-hmm. Then it's, it's if it's happened before, then I have a model for it. And I'm like, how did you do that? And then you can take their little Trello board and go, oh, that's cool. I wouldn't do that, but I would do these 20 things. That's cool. Well, I, I think you can figure out what the difference is by starting to go through the steps of what's required to get there. So, for example, if if you wanted to make a record of you performing live on uh, the grand piano and you're like, well, I don't have a piano and I don't know how to play the <laughs> piano. Those are those are reasonable things that as you start figuring out how it's going to happen, you're like, oh, shit. Well, first of all, I don't, I don't have a piano. And second of all, I don't know how to play the piano. You can realize pretty quickly this is not a realistic goal for you, at least not not if you're like if, if the first couple steps are step one, like get a piano and step two, learn how to play yeah. it. Right. And I think a lot of times for musicians, these unrealistic goals mostly come from thinking about the end product and not thinking about where you are and what it's going to take to, to get there and how you're going to uh, yeah. walk through it. Right. Like when, when I'm working on a record <clears throat> using, you know, some of the same kinds of things that D does, like, as I start thinking, okay, you know, for your, your uh, EP, for example, Michael, you're like three songs. I'd immediately make 
three cards for each, you know, one for each song where it's like, well, I need drums and I need a bass part and I need a guitar, you know, guitar one or left guitar or lead guitar and the, you know, doubled guitar and fills. And then I need a lyrics and I'm going to do vocals and backing vocals. And it's not that different from those grids that you sometimes see in studios where, you know, people are writing down uh, the song names and then the tracks and filling them in. It's exactly the same kind of idea, but you can also pull it out to, you know, I've got to rough in all these parts, maybe decide what instruments are going on it. Maybe I have to do a couple of different takes or passes till I got the feel. And each of these is like a, a task that you're getting to. And even things like lyrics, it's like I'm writing my first draft of the lyrics and then I'm going to do a revision of the lyrics or I'm going to do a first pass on the vocals and, and a, a second pass. And you literally just think of all the different things that you might want to do. Maybe you end up skipping some of those things. You do your first take of the vocal and you're like, yeah, that's good enough. It's a keeper. And you check the box yeah. and move on. Um, but, yeah. but basically, uh, yeah. if, successful if you got, project- got the first take and you had like three or four cards to, to work out lyrics and, and to work out drafts, you just, you just got to move four cards from the right to the left. Yeah. Goal. Like that's fucking awesome. Great. Now I can move on to the other stuff. Now that's, I can move that out of my head and move to the next thing. Yeah. And, and, and the key here is thinking about all of these steps that you actually have to do. This is how you take something from a, a dream or a notion or an idea and turn it into a plan that you can execute against. And it's totally possible that uh, whether it's a software project or an art project, like we're talking about, that you get to the end in that you've done all your cards and moved it all over and you're sitting back and doing quality assurance on your thing. Like, does it actually work? Did it achieve the goals that I intended? And you're like, this isn't this isn't working. It's not good. I need to do something else, right? Maybe you have a bit at the end where you're like, oh, you know, that first take vocal that I thought was good, it's actually not good. And then you can sit there and go, okay, here is this bug, Uh, vocal not good, vocal needs to be good, expected behavior, vocal good. So how are you going to fix it? Are you going to go in and tune it using uh, auto-tune and do edits? Are you going to find good parts and move them over the bad parts? Or are you just going to retrack it? Or are you looking back at the song now and going, this actually the song isn't good enough. So I want to start over and, and ship it again. But again, this is this task of like checking it when it's done to see if it meets your goals is just another thing that you do. Right. And, th- and that's one of those things that you learn to do so that you don't just finish it and go, well, it's done. And then after it's shipped, you're listening to it and you're like, oh no, this is oh, horrible. <laughs> that was the first thing I learned really at Warner Brothers was like that was the the first thing I was doing there was quality assurance. Until we get in these 1630 digital tapes of masters of records from, uh, you know, mastering studios, outside mastering studios. And they'd hand it to me and they go, you know, here, you need to listen to this and do QC and you want to ingest it into the digital system so we could, you know, digitize it into a different format. And during that process, I was, you know, I was charged with like, you need to listen to it for any sort of like, Ticks, pops, clicks, distortion. Is it fucked up? Is there dropouts? Are there big dropouts or little dropouts? Or like, and you need to kind of like red flag something and go like, oh, I, I remember one specific record of, you know, uh, I guess I can say it. Billy, uh, Billy Corrigan, his band Zwan. They handed in his record and I'm like, oh, oh that's kind of cool. So I was like listening to it. This is before I was actually doing any sort of like real, you know, mastering. So this is incredible training and like quality assurance is everything because I'm doing it every single time I'm listening, but also at the very end of it, if I think I know it's done, 
I don't really know it's done. I need to like listen to it again at the very end when everything's totally done from top to bottom without like trying to like cook up something in the kitchen while I'm casually listening to it in the background. You know, it's just like, no, you got to sit fucking still for as long as it takes to listen to the thing from top to bottom. And I always catch something. I'm always like, oh, oh wait, what's that? But that record, that particular record, um, he sent it off to get mastered at, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not even going to say the mastering studio because I don't fully remember, but it was very. Oh, you need to say the it mastering was very studio. Distorted. We need to throw them under it the may not be no, their fault. Well, it wasn't. So it was very distorted and very crunchy. And I went like, whoa, what's up with this? It was clearly like something's amiss. And so I listened to the entire thing all the way through distortion and all. And I went to the guy who was supervising me and I said, Hey, this is, I think this is fucked up. You want to come listen to this? And so we got another brain and ears on it. And he's like, Oh, wow. Okay. He said, here's what you need to do. You need to uh, send a message out to the producer and say, Hey, is this right? Did you intend this? And I went, Ooh, you know, another little like quality assurance is like, you got to plug back into the people who made the shit. And uh, he said, Yes, it's absolutely correct. Billy approved this. This is exactly how he wanted it. I argued with him about it. And here's what we got. And he's the boss. And I went, okay. And I ran it by, you know, the the supervisor guy again. And I said, he says it's exactly like that. Because, you know, what happens is they put out the record and it sounds a particular way that's not, you know, pleasing to the ear. And all the fans go, oh, you fucked up the record. Warner Brothers fucked your record up. What happened? And funny enough, after we got all the approvals and everything, and Billy called too, and he said, "Oh, he said, no, no, that's exactly how I wanted. It. I wanted it to sound like, you know, uh, a Who record from like the '80s, like something really raw and brittle and crunchy." And I'm like, "You're the boss. Put it out." All these reviews started coming out. Fans were calling in, like you know, uh, Billy Corgan fans, and they're just like, "Oh, they fucking ruined your record." And then he had to put out like a public statement saying, no, 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 this is exactly how I wanted it. I hope you enjoy it. And that was it. And he was just like, this is, this is the intent. And I went, well, you know, he had a, a realistic goal and it came out exactly how he wanted. And his fans were just like, oh, I don't know, something's wrong here. But it was one of those things where it's like, you need kind of clarity all along the way. And this is one of the things I wanted, the point I wanted to make was like, everything I'm hearing today in this conversation, which is really great, is getting from vagueness to clarity, you know, which is kind of like the, this is, you know, we push off with like, we want to get to clarity. We push off the shore into vagueness and we're like, we have a kind of a plan, you know, or we have a, a totally brilliantly executed like Trello board or whatever the combine board is, is like, this is our plan. We're going to hit some bumps along the road. Um, but really, if I start, you know, like the EP that I'm working on, it was kind of in vagueness. The only thing that was really clear is like, I want to finish these three songs. I want to really like be super, super happy with them. Like, I just want to be like, I fucking love these. These are great. I don't know if people buy them or whatever. I don't really care. I just, I wanted something I was proud of. And so that's, I could put that on my Trello board too, which is like, this is the goal. Am I pleased with this? Maybe there's a few other people that are pleased. It wasn't a goal of like, win a Grammy with this EP, you know? And then there's a whole bunch of other steps. Well, how do how does one win a Grammy if you wanted to do that? Well, you have to submit it and you got to find out the submission process and what are the dates on that and how do you do that? 
Who do you do that with? And all that stuff. So anything's achievable. It's just a matter, you know, like I have a friend who works at, at NASA. She is a software architect. She's like big picture. She takes these like vague ideas that are like, we know we need, it should be kind of like this. And she grounds it all. And she has teams of people and does all this stuff. And it's like, this is like Herculean level, like software development, vision work, you know, just like, how the fuck do we get from here to Mars? Like, who the fuck thought that that was ever going to happen other than, you know, all the sort of futurists and the people who are into space and writing about this stuff. And it's like the, some scientists went like, you know, it'd be cool. I wonder if Mars is habitable. I wonder if we can explore that, you know, and it's just, it's at first it was the moon and then we did that. And it's like, huh, what about these other planets? You know? So like anything's achievable, but it's just like, how do we bring that from vagueness to clarity? Like what's it going to take and how willing am I to do the work, you know? So anyway, the, the other advantage to um, getting really granular with these cards is it forces you to do everything with intent, yeah. right? So about thinking about thing. your, yeah, thinking your about Billy your Corgan. architect friend, like your architect, I'm sure if you ask your architect friend how she manages multiple teams and manages these big problems, she's going to tell you a version of the same thing. Oh yeah, she does. She uses um, all these that, Anu said something earlier that, that that's very, very, very true with project management is no matter how big the thing is, you just, you break it down into small chunks and you just find a way to start with the smallest thing. It was something that was drilled in my head by some really good senior engineer mentors that, that I had early on that I'm telling my daughter even now, like she gets overwhelmed by just, just working on the simplest homework problem. I said, just think about the smallest, teeniest, tiniest thing, solve that problem, then solve the next problem and just keep doing that. Yeah, it's one problem one problem Sorry, at a time. You don't do tomorrow's work today. You just do what you can do today. And but, if you happen to get some more stuff done, great. But I really like that. The, the saying that I have heard uh, is, is this. How do you eat an oh, elephant? Yeah. One bite at a yeah. time. Yes. That, right? That's, yes. Uh, and and that's that skill of decomposing big problems or big projects into smaller problems or smaller projects is one of the great keys to success. Um, and and it is it is key because it maps out your work, but it's also key because it helps you transform unrealistic into realistic, or at least identify where the significant problems are. And once you've done that, you can start figuring out how you're going to work around them. So using our piano record analogy, well, uh, oh shit, I don't know how to play the piano and I don't have a piano. Well, the not having a piano part is easy. I can go buy a sample library or get a keyboard or something like that or, or rent a piano for the day. Oh, I don't know how to play the piano. Well, I bet I know somebody who knows how to play the piano and maybe I can get them in to do this sort of thing. Or maybe I'll just do it all with MIDI, you know, like it's hey. this... You identification. Know, Andrew Eldridge, that there's a real famous piano ballad that the sisters did, 1959. Mm-hmm. He programmed that. It sounds programmed. <laughs> it it does. It I I it, it never sounded love programmed. Me, to love me. me that song, but yeah, I I and it never occurred to me that that was programmed. I I just never listened for it. Um, but that's what he did, and it and it seemed to work out. I never noticed it until he said it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my, my point here is that um, you, you start to identify these 
uh, obstacles on, on your in your plan, right? And then once you've identified them, then you can start working on solutions for them or recognize that these are severe enough issues that you may have to revise your timeline or revise your the intent of your project, right? And Dee had talked earlier about story points. One of the things that story points get really useful for is this idea of it's basically an arbitrary way of measuring work units. And over time, you should develop a sense of how accurate you are at forecasting based on these story points, right? It takes a while to, you have to collect a bunch of data, but you may find eventually that you consistently overestimate or underestimate the amount of effort it's going to take a particular project. And this is really handy with teams. Um, sometimes you find that team A uh, is way too optimistic. They always think stuff's going to get faster, done faster than it does. And team B is always pessimistic and you're able to um, uh, come up with kind of a fudge factor for their schedules or within teams. You know, you'll we'll find that person A versus person B, you know, one of them is, is uh, always uh, getting it wrong in terms of evaluating how much work, but it's, it's a, a handy thing. And it also helps you understand of all the things that you need to do. You can also do, uh, I'm sure Dee's done this before, but t-shirt sizing. If you don't want to get to the level of story points, you can look at something and be like, well, is this like a small, a medium, a large, or an extra large? And in the case of music, it might be something like, I will end up with punch lists as I start to get you know, more than halfway through a project where I'm like, I've got a song that's almost done and I'll look back at it and I'll be like, all right, the bridge sucks and I need to rewrite the bridge and retrack everything on it. That's going to be like a large or an extra large because there's a bunch of stuff I got to do. But there might also be stuff in there where it's like kick drum is a little soft and it's a little quiet. That's a small. I can fix that in five minutes. And I will usually make a, a, a card or a ticket for myself where it's like kick drum, do mix, kick drum up one dB. <laughs> yeah. And another one that's like add 2K bump to kick drum, right? Or oh, I've done that too. To oh, I do that too. I totally yeah. do that too. Yep. And, and that Because I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget. Well, I don't want to forget, but I also don't want to get lost in the weeds. So when I sit down to do that change, I almost do it without even listening. I'm just like, okay, I said I wanted the kick drum up like a DB, DB and a half. Boom. Okay, done. Wanted to add a little click to it. Okay, boop, boop, done. Print it. Move yeah. on. I will forget it. I mean, I, I it's, that's the one thing I, is if I don't write shit down or put it in my schedule and it's if it's not there, it doesn't exist. It's not going to happen. And I like that, too, because like I think over time, any whether you're a painter, whether you're a musician or whatever, you're like, oh, I know exactly what to do. And it's either I have to do it in the moment or I have to put it in my schedule. I have to write down like a punch list, like you said, is great for like construction stuff where it's like, OK, we're going to do a walkthrough on this date and we're going to see what's missing. So you do a walkthrough on your song and go. Oh fuck! How did I miss that? You know, and um, just doing and and it's this is all really fun shit too for me. I really like all this stuff and and with also the pressure of a deadline. You know, really like by next Sunday, I said I'm going to have these things complete. Where I'm going to declare them complete, whether they're complete or not, I don't know. But in my head, I'm just going to be like. I've done everything I can do. They're done. I got all the feedback I need, you know, and I have a realistic amount of time to get all this, all that shit done this week. And I also, one of the other things is I leave it alone for like three or four days where I don't listen to any of it. So I can let all this clear out so I can have some clarity when I come to it and go, Oh, Whoa, <laughs> why is the vocal so fucking loud or whatever, but that really helps, you know? And I think that's only come with experience, you know? So if you don't have experience on a project, the Trello board or, you know, the combine board, any, any one of those things where 
you kind of have a sense of the parts, like you're building a car, you know, and you're just like, well, I want it to have, how many wheels do you want? Do you want a motorcycle? Do you want a three-wheeled vehicle or do you want four or more? You know, and they kind of go, okay, well, I need all those things. Like I, I love watching like custom car build and motorcycle building shows and how they think about how to solve a problem, especially these guys with like big vision work. Like they're known for a particular kind of a build and a style. And they'll be like, you know, I want to do something I've never done before, which is every fucking car. And they go like, all right, well, it's going to have four wheels probably. And they're like, I already have a color picked out that I've been wanting to use. And like, I want it to have this kind of feel. I want it to be a combination of these things. And I like that. I was, that's what I started with. I think before I decided to, to use these three songs as the EP was I said, I wanted to put something out. I want to have like a three or four song EP, but I'm not sure what kind of style I think I did. And even when I was talking to you, Anu, about that song, I'm like, this is kind of the feel. I was listening to this band called the Viagra Boys. And I'm like, I'd love to do something kind of like this, kind of nasty, kind of like, you know, I just had it all. And it was like, okay, there's a blip. You throw that on the cello board and, you know, and like, here's what, here's what we're up to. And like, okay, I kind of have a sense of the instruments, you know, so I really like all that. This is all really helpful. And I think for like so, so any, any kind of like uh, creative endeavor, even if it's like writing, you know, I have, I have an action partner who's a, a writer. She's a professional television and movie writer. And it's always curious to hear how she chunks this stuff out. She's like, and she does it exactly the way I do it. She'll do like, I do an hour or two here. She has a deadline. She gets paid for this shit. She has contract work. And they say, we need, you know, seven pages done by this time. And she's also in a, another writing group to finish a novel that she's working on. She's, she's got like three, four or five projects she works on. And she spends particular amounts of time. And then when she's done with that time, she's like, okay, I'm done. And then she'll come back to it the next time and she'll, re she'll read it and go like, oh, okay. And, you know, it's like next steps, a little chunk at a time, another bite at a time. Yeah, that's called regression testing. Like the thing that you did with the CDs, the CD yeah. story, the version of that in tech is regression yeah. testing. She, she's doing regression testing. Yeah, and it's pretty cool. It's interesting to hear people's processes and how they do it. And I've also, on the flip side of this, I've worked with a lot of people that just like, they totally will like, fight back against any sort of like structure or like even showing up on time for rehearsal or like, yeah, those people are all going to, well, some of them do, some of them don't like the, you know, the old singer for extra fancy, he would show up like on the day of, of recording and fit with kind of semi-finished lyrics and then he'd finish them there. And I'm just like, Oh my God, it's fucking heart attack. You know, it's just like, uh, yeah, but but that's that's probably because they were sitting at the front of his head, and it was just a simple matter of getting him out of the front of his head and onto. Uh, perhaps, or he'll tell. It's it doesn't. It's not that magical. Well, it's really no, magical. it's not magical. But like dealing with the chaos of that is just like I just don't like it at all. I really like to have. I work well in structure, and leaving a little room for like you know some happy accidents and like discovery and whatnot. But then there's the people like, how have you guys dealt with people who are kind of more chaotic and, you know, push back on structure? Do you guys have any thoughts about that? Like, what do you do? Oh, they don't, they don't last very long. Yeah. In, in the, in they the business don't. world, the thing that business likes is predictability. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and as D notes, people that are all about chaos and not planning get ejected one way or another. No matter um, how unless, they are. 
unless they are at the very top of the organization. Uh, and, and then they usually just inflict pain on everybody else who's scrambling to deal with their, yep. uh, their lack of accountability. Or if they're like a superstar, who's one of these people that is like going to dick around and cause all kinds of chaos, but then will stay up for like two days nonstop and come in and go, okay, I fixed it. Or I, I did it. And even then people are just like, Oh, I hate this. Yeah. Over time, um, those guys don't, don't last very long either. Because because it, it turns out you can't keep doing that over long periods of time. Yeah, it's a lot of stress for sure. I mean, I I had that in most of the bands I was in. There was always kind of like the the archetypes, you know, of like who's in the band, like what's the bass player. It was typically like a rock band, you know, bass player, guitar player, or two, and then a drummer, and then a singer. And it was always like, oh, singer, or like, oh, guitar player. I love guitar player jokes, by the way, because I primarily would identify myself as a guitar player. But drummer jokes, awesome. Do you know? But there's those kind of personalities yeah. you can count on, and then there's like their own particular sort of flavor. But uh, especially lead singers, you know, the ones that are kind of what you describe—the superstars, where they bring something magical that no one else can bring—and you got to deal with some of that chaos if you want to engage with that and like have it come out. I mean, that's kind of how do you get those personalities to work together and. Uh, it's bristly, you know, I'm, I was just like thinking to myself, I'm sure the people that are listening to this are going to be, some of them are going to be bristling going like, oh, fuck a schedule. What are you talking about? I only write when the muse calls me and I'm just like, well, I, I have, I schedule time with my muse and if it shows up great. And if it doesn't, I spent two hours doing whatever I need to do to like, I put out some tater tots and go like, come on in, I'm ready for you. And if well, the, I mean, you're, you're, I don't feel like we're talking about schedule. You're talking about schedule. You, we're talking about strategies for, for meeting a schedule. We're just talking about a way to work that, that just works. Well, it includes a schedule because you know? obviously like, well, you know, what Anu described is like, here's your goal. And then, you know, you work and what you described to you too, is like you work backwards from there to like, here's the milestones. Here's what I need to hit by this point. If I think I want to hit this on this date, I need to have these three things done way before that. So if you have a deadline to hit, if you have it, so, so just thinking a little bit about this, uh, something you just said, you said earlier about the the EP and you said, I want it to, to sound a certain way. And I, and I know I need to, I, I, I hear a certain thing. You said something about like, I, I know I, need, I want it to sound a certain way. Yep. And, and I know it's going to take time to, to, to get that. Here's the thing. Something you learn about something you learn from agile is, um, what's agile, uh, that's everything we're talking about. Stories, Kanban boards. It's it's, it's a way of it's a method for software. To Got build. it. Is it a soft? Is it a piece of software that organizes, or is it just? It's, it's no. It's it's it is a a methodology. It's a, a way of working that is in stark contrast. At the very beginning, D was talking about so called waterfall uh, management, and agile was originally sort of something that came out as a, a kind of a, a, a different way of doing it. Okay, just for clarity. Thank you. Yeah. It was a small collective of people that railed against uh, the the dark the the dark world that the dark force that was waterfall. Nobody nobody really does waterfall anymore. Good. Um. So one of the tenets of agile is nothing's ever really done. Um. But something if you're if you if you're working on an EP and you want and and say your your goal to get it done is tomorrow. It could be done tomorrow, yeah. right? 
it's not going it's not not going to be as good as is something that that uh, is going to be done a month from now or two months from now yeah but it'll be done i have an album right now that i could put out tomorrow it's but it's going to have scratch vocals on it and it's not going to be completely done but it's still it's still kind of technically done technically yeah so so part of part of part of what the the, uh, the 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 trick to actually finishing things is what's your definition of done and if you're and if and and you find and one of the things you find out over time Anu knows all this stuff too one of the things you figure out over time is what is the, is the thing that you, you you have in your head of what what is done for you and the thing and the thing that you have in reality say uh, you know I don't know, Anu, what, like two months before the, your goal is pretty close to what you heard in your head. That's, that's, that's kind of one of the tenets of agile is that if it, if it's, if, if the definition is done is, is pretty damn close to what you heard in your head and, and you want to, and you, you just like to sh- get it out and share it with the world and, 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 may, and, and the details that you, uh, that, that you, you're hearing in your head, maybe don't need to be there, then it's done. Yeah. And that's and that's negotiation that that I make with myself all the time. Is this done? Yeah, that's good yeah. enough. And I, I, more often than not, I just go, yeah, good enough. Moving on. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing about you know the mastering work that I do is like I'm the guy. This is what I found at Warner Brothers was like this is a hot seat job because you're the one who's you're the one who's finishing it. You know, you, they'll they'll give you all the mixes and everything's there, and then you do some sweetening, you do some editing, and you clean things up, and you create a production master. And then that is what everything gets duplicated off of, whether it's a digital file or whether it's, you know, a CD or whether it's an acetate for pressing vinyl or whatever it is, you're creating the production master. And, you know, my expertise is to go, ah, this sounds pretty well done. This is pretty polished and punchy and like it's kind of what you described that you wanted. But ultimately, the person who has the final say is the artist. You know what I mean? I'll send it to them and they may go, Oh wow, this has too much low end, or this this needs some more brightness to it that I didn't mix into it, you know. And until there's like a consensus, it's not done. You know what I mean? And then you know when it is, you you know both people. I mean, it's really not up to me. I can give you my opinion about where I think things are with a client, and I can go. It sounds pretty good. I don't know about that part. If you have the, if we can fix that mix, or if that doesn't bug you, it doesn't bug me. Because their name's going on it, not mine. And that's really, I think, part of it, too, is, you know, is it done? But if you're the one who's creating it, like in my in my case, it's like I have the unique uh, sort of skill of being able to say when things are done, but maybe not to my own stuff as well. This is why, you know, they recommend you hand stuff off to a mastering person who has some perspective and wasn't buried inside of this thing and isn't going to hear all the stuff, you know, but you got to give it a final QC at the end of it. Like I give it back to the artist. I'm like, listen to this top to bottom two or three, four times, you know, just like make sure this is exactly how you want it because it's your name going on it and it's forever. It's no big deal. <laughs> you know, you got to put it out on the interwebs and then forever. Technically it's not forever, but you know, for a big artist, if they're going to put out, like if they're going to re you know, if you're going to release uh, a new album by say uh, Neil Young, He's gonna he's gonna be absolutely sure. Like this is final and complete and done. It's mastered here, 
and he hands it off to whoever the, the label president is at the time. And then they put it out. But like, when is it done when it's your own stuff? This is the, the sort of realistic versus unrealistic goals is like, is it done? Did I leave time for that final little like 5% of like, did I really make sure everything's done? Am I really happy with this? Did I check in? I like that part of it too. Cause right now I'm at that point where I'm like, I'm really liking everything I did. Could I nudge some things forever on this? Yeah, I could take another two or three months and it will never get done because I'm too busy dicking around with it. But it's like, did it, did my intention was to capture a period of time where I did this recording and like I can leave it alone and just like get it as great as it can be, but not like replace everything on it and they'd be done. So it's like, yeah. And if, if you don't, if you don't have a clear idea or picture of what done is, it's never yeah, going to be finished because you don't, you won't be able to evaluate it against your criteria. And this is the other thing about unrealistic goals. Unrealistic goals are ones where they're fuzzy, right? Where you don't know what done looks like. You have to have a, a very clear picture of what, what it's going to be uh, in order to get. There. Yeah. The clarity is everything. That's what, and I think we kind of start out in vagueness. I could, really with anything, you know, it's even like, what do you want for lunch? It's like, if I had a really clear picture in my head, I could be like, oh, I want, you know, nachos and I want nachos from this particular place. You know, you pick whatever it is that you're going to have. But if you're like, man, I do this with my girlfriend all the time. I'm like, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like we got to move from like i don't know to feed that such, such such a to, joy you are such, such to feed the joy. anger because you know i just want to i just want to please her she should be a happy girl poor, poor and i'm not going to be the obstacle so i'm i'm you know part of like just hurting those cats into like a, a sweet spot you know but doing it with music too i mean that's kind of what all the mastering stuff is too is really helping people finish records because sometimes they don't know they'll be, they'll hand it off and be like not a bunch of my producer friends they'll give me a record and go okay here's the things that uh, I noticed while I was listening to it you tell me what you think I'll be like okay and then I have this perspective that like I haven't been buried in the record so I I have no attachment to it other than like is this sound like it's you know all the parts are there all the the spectrum the way this particular genre or like what they were going for does it sound great and you're like, it's just really bringing clarity to something like is all the different levels of vagueness in there, you know, unless that's part of your jam where you want people to be what's going on, like on a painting, for instance, you know, like, I'm not really sure what this is about, but I'm feeling something like, do you want people to have a reaction? Like, what's your intent with it? Like kind of what Anu was just saying, like, do you want people to react in a positive way or do you want, do you want it to be? both ends of the spectrum. Do you want people to be like, Oh, this is a fucking abomination. What the, this should not be out. And that other people are like, this is the best thing in the world. You know, the, the kind of artists that polarize people, do you want to polarize? Is that part of your agenda? So, and I love this too, because I think the more clear I can be going into things, it really helps. This, this EP is just one example of just where there's still some vagueness to it, but it all really, I just had to notice where it was and go like, oh, okay. You know, not only to the the technical part of it, but also like the delivery of it. Like when's it going to come out? Who's it for? You know, do I want to make money with it? Do I care? Do I want to just put it out into the world? Do I want a whole production? You know, so that's why I love hearing about those stories from you guys too and your, your records that you guys put together. Or if you're working on other people's records too, like you're, I, I know... D, you're working on a record for one of your uh, 
your workmates, right? Are you still doing that? Oh no, 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 uh, no! I'm I finished that a long. Oh, was that that mastering ago. thing? Oh yeah, yeah. I think that was a good yeah, choice. Yeah, D. That was not. That was a good choice. No, it sounded no, painful. No, 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 no. All it did was was uh, give me a newfound respect for what you do. Yeah, and I and uh, I guess I I I, I could backpedal uh, my definition of done a little bit by saying my definition of done for for my 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 stuff is is it ready enough to send to Michael to have him listen to it and and tell me what he thinks? Yeah, and that's that's just... and to have him master it and to have it because because I I I I do count on the guy that I've known for thirty five years to to say yeah okay well no no you need to tweak that here. We need to do that. Yeah, it's it's an interesting process. That's what I I just you know sent some of this stuff out to get some feedback, and that's that's a part of it too. Is like I'm really close, but I like I I just don't have the full perspective, and I can play it. I got some feedback already on it, and I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. And then you got to take into account, you know, the kind of music they like to listen to and their proclivities with like they like their vocal louder. I like my vocal kind of in the mix with most of my stuff, which is my stuff. But I also appreciate it with other records where it's like, oh, no, that genre, that's how that should sound in that genre. It's really appropriate and great, you know, like a vocal way up in a pop song. It's like, yeah, that's the whole fucking song is the vocal and the melody, melody more than the actual performance of it, you know, but like it is curious, you know. So when do you what was I going to ask? I forgot what I was going to ask anyway. I think, you know, this is really helpful. Is there any other thing that, you know, like a worst case scenario where uh, you're trying to go from like um, vagueness to clarity on a project? I mean, you guys do it all day long with your your sort of like worky work stuff. And I know you do it on your records. Do you find other areas in your life where you have a vague notion of something, but you haven't quite moved toward it? Like motivation, I guess, is really kind of what I'm pointing at. Like, how do you sharpen up motivation for like, oh, I want to do that. And then you take action. Yeah, by using all the things that Anu and I have been talking about uh, as a means to figure out the most difficult problem to solve first. Was there a particular thing? Like for me, for, for, for me, this album I'm working on right now, the most difficult problem for me to solve right now, the, the one I'd, know, that I, I'd known was going to be a, pro, a difficult problem to solve from the time I started working on it was uh, backing vocals. Oh, yeah. I had a, I, I want the, you know, the, the, the guys from the Turtles, the, the, the soul singer backing <laughs> vocals. Um, and um, I had a few ideas of, of how I was going to go about doing that when I started working on it. Uh, that's changed significantly in the past couple months. And, uh, I may have to come up with, with another plan, mm. but it's not, it still doesn't feel like an unrealistic goal. I have, I have a, have an idea of what I can, a uh, collection of ideas, how to, how to, how to tackle it. And then I have a fallback, a couple of fallback, uh, strategies for achieving something that's going to be close to what, what I had in mind. But it's always, it, for me, it's all about thinking about the most difficult problem and uh and trying to solve the most difficult problem first yeah well this kind of points to that the idea that we talked about maybe talking about today was the macgyver sort of effect like how far do you let yourself get into like a oh shit kind of mode 
before you like cut bait or like go, okay, I, I just got to like finish this somehow. I need this off of this specter away from me. <laughs> Do you have anything specifically that's going on now that you're trying to, you have to MacGyver out of it? Yeah. For me right now, it's the backing vocals, backing vocal stuff. I, I'm doing the first bit of it. And uh, Jason kind of forced me into having, I, you know, the other thing I do a lot of times is once I know the most difficult problem, I, I sort of collect a, 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 some strategies in my head to deal with it. And sometimes I just procrastinate like crazy. Uh, and I did that this time. And I finally had to deal with it uh, when I, when I, asked my friend Jason to play guitar in this one thing. And he said, I can't, he basically said, I can't work with your scratch vocal because your scratch vocal is too shitty. Like it's not, it's not, he was like, and he, and in his defense, he was right. (laughs) He goes, it's not, he goes, this is, he, in so many words, he said, this is too shitty to inspire me. Uh, Like I can't, I can't give you the performance that you want with these placeholder takes. I can't do it. So he forced me to have to deal with it. And it's, um, it's proven to be a pretty fucking gnarly problem. And I'm having to resort to uh, a number of tricks that I hadn't tried before that I'd seen work that should work in theory. Um, and they, they are working out, but it's, but I knew this part, this, this part of the project was going to be a lot of work. And I knew that from the time I started, I think, I think I, you know, I've said many times, I said it was, I already know that the time it took me to, to track everything was probably going to be linear to the time I was going to have to take uh, do, cutting, doing vocals for everything. Yeah. And I knew that. I knew that because I planned it up front. I have, the, I I have this it. thing kind of on that note where, and on, and on the note of kind of what we started with, you know, like uh, realistic goals versus unrealistic goals. I have a very, I start with like a pie in the sky kind of attitude with things. I'm kind of an eternal optimist, mostly with things. And that can get me into trouble where I'm just like, you know, like I thought these three songs, I'm like, oh, all the tracks are there. It's all good. You know, prior to investigation. Because I remember the last time I glanced at them, I'm like, yeah, that all looks good. There's a few takes in there too. It's, it must all be done. And, that's, that's, and there was already a mix from the sessions for each of those songs. It was like, those are pretty good. But I didn't do the investigation. And uh, that sort of like uh, hopefulness helps me to push the ship off from the shore. And maybe that's all it's good for. But then it helps me through it too, because I always know there's a solution that takes time. But like, uh, that's one thing I know about myself where I really need to, I can start with like a, you know, blue sky kind of big idea situation and go like, yeah, this is exciting. So I've got inspiration, which I need. I need some kind of like motivation to be like, oh, oh this sounds like fun. I'm going to do this. I can already have the sense of like, this is going to feel really great when it's done. And I have a sense that I'm already attracting to my thinking, you know, okay, there's guitars and there's a nasty vocal and there's like distorted bass, you know, and all those ideas are kind of flowing in and, you know, you start to put it in the bucket under the Trello bucket or whatever. But that's one thing I really need to be, I'm mindful of with myself. I already know that about myself. I was about to say, well, this is where your mind. Yeah, this is really where, like, like you can allow yourself to the pie in the sky idea, but at some point you got to be, you got to meditate for a minute and go. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ignore the elephant in the room that is this guitar part up here that I might have to re-record. Yeah, and all that. I I just or this this vocal over here that's a little pitchy and kind of fucked up. Yeah, and there's like, 
and 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 I'm gonna and I need to start focusing on that problem and what to do exactly like where am I gonna get the turtles vocals you know on my recording you know it's like how do you exactly it needs exactly. to happen because I can that's the vision yep how the fuck to do it is a whole other thing it's like who can I ask I just generally like farm that stuff right. out and go like you know can you help me with this that helps a lot but also you know again it's the same thing it's just bringing more clarity to what's going on so um and it gives you like what's missing and i just really notice like you know with the freedom in, in thinking there's a lot more spaciousness up here to draw like you know oh i hadn't thought of that you know a new idea will come in you know or someone else i can call or some other part that i hadn't really thought of or i just know there's something missing and i can be open to that i may not know it in the moment but i know that it will come to me eventually because it always everything gets solved that's what i notice if like if my intention is everything goes really well and gets solved, it doesn't matter how many bumps I hit in the road. It's never catastrophic. It's always like the foundation was good and I have enough of that foundation and then everything can just be built on top of that. Unless like what you described, D, which is like, oh, I played the wrong version of this song. I played my own version of the cover song that's not the cover song. You know, like you, you said, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, fuck do I replace it and do a new one? Do I do a new vocal? Or is it like, do I have a, a whole redo? Like I love it in those. All things that I had to think through. Yeah. yeah I more pro- through. And I ultimately I, I worked out a way to do it that allowed me to retain much of it. Yeah. One of the songs on the CP I'm working on, I, I played it for, for somebody and they went, boy, this sounds like a song. I think I can't remember if I talked to you, either of you about this. And I said, I had this thing. I'm like, boy, this sounds familiar to me. It sounds like another artist song ish, you know? And, uh, she went, this reminds me of a song and it sounded, and she said the name of the band and I went, shit, shit. (laughs) I said, I had that thought too. And then we listened to the song and I went, yeah, it does. And then what do I do with it? Oh shit. Cause I'm not going to go and re-record that entire song. I'm just like, I'm either going to do it, but I was listening to it and I went, well, I have all the parts. Can I edit some stuff out? Because really there was one there was one telltale part and it was primarily the intro and there was three other spots in the song where I'm like, I think I can replace this because everything is on a click track. So it's all in time and it's performed well enough. And so I did an initial edit and I'm like, oh God, that's so much better. And then it needed some more. I, I went total butcher on it and it just went like, so I replaced almost all of those parts and it got to be less recognizable for me and for the person that I played it for. So I played it again and she's like, oh, oh wow, that's much better. It's a lot, it's, she can hear a little bit of it, but she's like, I'm listening for it and that's on me. But she said, I think this is way, way better. This is way out of that, that ballpark and into the ballpark of you. Versus like, oh, he likes that particular band. What a nice tribute song, <laughs> you know? So it's curious, you know, like what, but without the, with the intention of like, you know, oh, I want something that sounds like me, you know, and something I can really get into and be like, oh yeah, this is great. I'm proud of this. I'm not going to be going like, eh, I hope no one figures it out. Just like, you know, no, this is like, it has to be a great song or it's not a great song. You know, and I like that you can zoom kind of what you were saying on you about zooming in and out of black and white thinking, you know, that really helps 
Like, am I in the gray area? Do I need to be in a gray area right now just so I can get this fucking thing done? Or is black, do I need to go, no, this needs to go, chop, and then put something else in and see how it works. So, Yeah, you, you'd asked a little bit about uh, applying some of these techniques to other parts of life beyond just music. And the answer is, well, sort of. Um, you know, one of the things when you're looking at software or, or a record or something like that is that you have a pretty clear and defined goal. And a lot of times our goals in life are less clear or less defined. I mean, you could use it for something right. like, I don't know, I want to, I want to buy a house or I want to be happy or I want a, a successful or fulfilling life. And it is a similar set of strategies of trying to figure out, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Right. Like, what are my variables? Like, can I live anywhere? Um, you know, how, how do I define what the end state looks like? And then you can work backwards from that and start figuring out like, well, what is, what is it that I'm going to have to do to get from where I am now to, to there? But uh, sometimes you have to give yourself space and time to come up with these answers, right? Um, these aren't necessarily problems that have to get solved in two weeks or, or two months or even two years. And sometimes these are, are problems that are going to the uh, targets or your definitions are going to change over time. And what you would consider a satisfying and happy life at 30 or 40 is not what you consider a satisfying life at 50. So you have to be, be willing to change. But the high level concept of like thinking about uh, a fuzzy goal, a fuzzy end state and asking, how do I, how do I sharpen this? How do I clarify it? How do I know what done is or what finished is? Once you have that, then you can figure out how to work backwards from where you, where you want to be to where you are now, or at least get a sense of if I take a step tomorrow, what am I going to do tomorrow that is going to move me closer to the goal? You have a, a clearer picture of where you're going. Oh. The places where people get hung up, whether it's artistic or life or otherwise are things where they have a vague notion of what they want, but they can't bring that, that picture into focus, right? Like a bad goal for a record, for example, is I want to make a hit oh, record. It's like, well, you know, what does that mean? Or I want to make music that really moves people. It's like, that is, that is uh, a nice sentiment, but unless you can really zoom in on like, what does moving people mean? Who are the people? How many people, et cetera? Like you're, you're never going to get there. You know, you, you have to be able to break. Yeah, it I think quantifying things is really important. I mean, there's the obvious stuff of like dollars and cents and little gold statues and all that stuff. Is like, how do you know you have a hit song? Well, usually it's about sales, but there's also other things where the the spectrum of like, you know, what is a hit? You know, and typically it's record sales, but like. Maybe it's not a hit song. Maybe you want to like lose weight for, or, you know, like everyone seems to be wanting to lose or gain weight, you know, typically losing weight. And like, you know, you have a number that you, that's like a healthy number you think you want to get to. And then it's like, well, what's the experience I think I want to have when I get there? Like why lose weight? What the fuck is that about? Then I'll be yeah. happy. Then my life will be better. Then I will like me and everybody else will exactly. like me. Exactly. Like, you know, with, you know, if I just had that Aston Martin and I lived in that particular zip code and I had that particular lover, it's just like all the shit that like our culture 
tells us like this is what's going to make you happy because like every time i'd get there i'd be like okay now what you know it was always like there's always a what's next and so that's what i love about this music stuff that we get to do is you know with with health and well-being and all that it's really like it's different for everyone because you can be in whatever skin and weight you want and if you're happy and you're you know you have maybe a doctor who says you know that's a healthy body weight for you that's good i like your blood work i like all the you know everything is coming out great good you've got some kind of you know agreement there that like that's pretty good but if you still look at your body every day and go like oh fuck i i feel fat I'm not fat and I feel fat. You know, like there's this other level of, I think for music too, that's, it comes and goes for me. It's like, you know, what is my intention with this particular, I feel like I'm yakking all day long here on this particular one, but you know, my job is I want to get it done and really, really enjoy it and then be done with it. And if there's something beyond that, great, but I'm just not going to set that target right now. You know, and I think for people that want to, like you were the example of a, uh, playing the piano. I have a friend who decided he hadn't played a musical instrument ever. And he always wanted to learn how to play the piano. And so he got himself a teacher. He got himself a piano and he started going. And the teacher said, here's what I'd like to see for you. I'd like to see you be able to play this particular song. So we're going to pick this one song and I'm going to show you how to play this and how to teach yourself how to play these things. And then he learned another song and then he learned it. And then he would invite friends over and said, Hey, I'm going to play some music for you guys. I just, I think I can play this thing. Right. Are you guys ready? And he had like five of us over and he played this little performance in his living room. And I was like, this is so much fucking fun, but that's what it was for him. He wanted to have a sense of accomplishment. And part of that was like having feedback from people in the room. I mean, that's why I like to perform, you know, it's just, the feedback, the, the energy of like, oh my God, this could go really bad or really fucking excellent or somewhere in between. And you hang your nuts out there and just go like, oh, woo, how's it going? You know, and at the end of it, if it's really good, you don't remember. And you have to ask people like, was it good? What happened? And people were like, oh, that was amazing. Hopefully. Or like, yeah, that was pretty good. Not as good as the last one. You know, and what do I do with all that information? So is that telling you whether you hit the mark or not for the goal you intended? And how much did I quantify it? You know, like, how do you write songs that move people? How do you know that it moves people? You know, do you send out a stupid questionnaire or do you just like sell records? Maybe, maybe it goes like yeah. wildfire or like, you know, wildfire or- no, that's, that's user testing. You ask people. <laughs> You know, and and if it, because if your goal is something like that, how are you going to know you're going to have to play it for people and ask them. And you might even, this is sort of shit that not a lot of people know about in the industry, but like uh, Bon Jovi slippery one way Uh, before that record came out, they did a bunch of market research. They took, uh, they went to shopping malls, not the band. They hired a company to do this, to go to shopping malls and bring people in uh, to little rooms in the shopping malls and played them pieces of the record and said, what do you think of this? And that was how they figured out what the singles were going to be and what the marketing campaign was going to be like. And this is a, this is more common than people think, but it, it makes sense. If your objective is something like having an effect on other people, the only way you're going to know whether you've succeeded or not is to play it for people and see what they think. 
And if, if they say, I like it when you do this and I don't like it when you do that, you're going to do more of one thing than the other, right? That's, it's just part of the deal. Same, same thing with, with uh, releasing software all the time. You go out and you talk to, you talk to the people that are using it and figure out what they like and don't like. That's a whole field. Yeah. Uh, uh, user experience engineering usability, which is uh, usability testing, which is something a, a user experience engineer would Market do. research and all that jazz. It's so very not like rock star like stuff, yet that's how rock stars are made, you know? And all the people, it's not just some guy you know, like Clive Davis going like, you're going to be a star and I know it. I mean, they don't talk about all the records that he chose that failed. You know what I mean? And this is one of the biggest A&R mm-hmm. guys in the industry. And those guys. Are- Same for Rick Rubin. Think about all the stuff that Rick Rubin, Rick Rubin put out that. Yeah, it just did a wall. And it's insane. just like, so you can't really rely on it. You have to use all the tools available to you, I think. And uh, uh, depending on how motivated you are, I think maybe for a, another session that we do, we should talk about sort of motivation and sort of um, uh, in resistance or commitment, you know, somewhere in that range of like, how do we continue to like put ourselves out there? Like, what is it that drives us to do this shit? But I think, you know, quantifying it is kind of what we're talking about, you know, going from like vagueness to clarity. Like, what is it? I'm, Cause I know I'm a natural born creator. I just want to make shit, do shit, experience things. Like, why am I doing any of this? Why am I even talking on this podcast? It's like, you know, I like spending time with you guys. We always talk about interesting stuff. Cause you, you love Anu and you love, I me. do. It's very you. true. That's why. But but I think that this is in and of itself worthwhile. Like your goals can be vague and fuzzy, but that also means that you're going to accept vague and fuzzy output, right? So if if you're making stuff because you like to make stuff, there you go. And uh, you know, and, and then you can make pretty much anything, and it's going to be okay because you're making stuff. And it's the same thing with our, our podcast. We like talking to each other, and that's our our primary driver. So great. Uh, but it's when you start thinking, oh, I have different objectives for this thing. I want to make some money or I want more people to listen to it or I want it to be better yeah. somehow. Well, that's when you have to start pulling that focus in to make it sharper. There's nothing wrong with saying that you want to learn how to play the piano just because you like the way the piano sounds or because you want to do a show for your friends or that you want to write a song just because you like writing songs. But that's where you're like, but OK, you can write a song as long as you're not getting fussy about is it happy or sad or, you know, strong or weak or whatever the case is just like, okay, go make a song, check the box. You've, you've hit your acceptance criteria, right? You, you have achieved the goal that you set out to achieve. It depends, I guess, how, how deep you want to go into your craft, whatever it is, whether it's like whittling wood or making songs, or I really like making, using all the tools to make excellent things that please me first. They has to please me at some point. You know, in in the end, that's really all there is for me. It's just like, do I like kind of like Frank Zappa's? He just makes records for himself, and then he would put them out there. And if people happen to like that, he just happened to have such an extraordinary uh, body of work because he had a lot to fucking say, musically, politically, spiritually, the whole thing. And you know, he changed a lot of people's lives. It was pretty incredible, but. I don't think that's what he was doing it for. I think he just really, he loved to perform clearly and he loved to hear his himself back, uh, you know, his expression out in the world. And I like that too. I like that immediacy of recording. I think that's originally what got me into it is I'd like record something and I'd hear it and I'm just like, wow, this is really cool. 
not quite what I was intending. And then you change it. And then it's like, oh, yeah, like that. That needs a banjo part. That needs a guitar. And then it's just like this is like a feedback loop and you just keep feeding it. But maybe that's why we we do the stuff that we do, you know, or anyone is just obsessed with their craft and art, you know, whether it's whatever it is. But who knows? I have my tiny little soapbox today. Creativity soapbox. D. It's all I have to leave on this earth. There you go. And those. That, that, this and this and my kid. It's my legacy. You yeah, know, you so made some good kids. Just has to be right to me. You did all right there. They still like you. They're 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 doing okay. Yeah, they still talk okay. to you. They still talk to me. <laughs> that ain't nothing. They still talk to me, and they they know how to save money like you. They're 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 both really good with money, which is all things that I'm not. You could. They're they're good people, and they're you're good, good with money. Them. You keep making it. Eh, yeah, well, they, I don't know. I'm people not as keep giving that. it to you. That's a whole art unto itself. Maybe that's a whole other episode as well. So what do you think? Do you, do you think the Rams are going to do it today? I don't, man, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just, uh, I don't know. You know, it's funny. Like I work with a bunch of people. I work with, a, I, I work for a company that's based in Cincinnati. Yeah. And, and so I don't, you know, they see me wear the Rams hat. And a lot of them know I'm a, I'm a Rams fan and they know where I'm from. I, I'm happy for them that the Bengals made it this far. The Bengals, you know, our team that have been in the basement for yeah. God knows how long. They haven't been in a Super Bowl in 33 years. Oof. So, you know, it's it's pretty cool that that, that they got this far. And I, and I don't know that I would, I'm going to be sad if the Rams lose. But it's, you know, it's great that the, the Rams made it too because the Rams by all rights should not have made it. They, they made a lot of mistakes per season. <laughs> They, they finally beat the team that they had to beat to get to the Super Bowl that they haven't beaten in like six years. So uh, it's just going to be, it's going to be a really good game. It's just going to be a good game. So. You know, I'm not, I, I'm hoping the Rams win, but, but I'm not going to be sad if they lose. Your hat's just been screaming at me for the, the last two hours. That's a nice hat. It's very Los Angeles too. It's I like gotta, the, I, the Lakers logo and the colors and the Rams and like they really got their, uh, their marketing down. I had to do a lot of digging to find this one. I don't. I'm not a bit huge fan of of the the, the Rams' uh, current look and feel, as it were. It's a little too. Uh, ah. What's what's the term I'm looking for, Anu? It's a little little too uh, superhero. It's a little too Marvel comics. Oh. It's a little too. Uh, uh, what's what's the body spray? Oh. It smells really bad. Axe body spray. Yeah, it's a little too axe yeah. body spray. The look and feel of the Rams right now. Too multiverse. But I like this hat. It's a good looking hat. It's very like Los Angeles sort of like. And I and I'm wearing it for because I'm because I'm superstitious when it comes to stuff like this. I I wore this when they won the playoffs. So yeah, I'm, I'm wearing the same stuff. Today. It's very like the Latinx. That's, that's all my Latinx people are out there wearing their. Old English. If I wear this hat, they yeah. will win. I like that. Superstition. There's a, there's another yeah. uh, podcast episode. Wait. Oh, totally. Oh, that would be I'm a good one. This down. Super. That would that would be a good superstition. 
because I'm not normally superstitious, but when it comes to things like making music and and sports, I'm very superstitious. I say I'm not superstitious, but I'm totally superstitious. Stuff I do all the time out of habit, and then I'm like, what if I change yeah. this? Sometimes I change it just to see what the fuck will happen. Like, we crashed this 1973 yeah. Pinto into a gas truck just to see what would happen. But it's like... Sometimes I'll change things, but sometimes I, I want to, and I'm like, no, no, no. I just got to keep, that keeps working. I'm going to keep doing that. That's one of those creativity things too, where if I'm not constantly trying some new stuff, I feel like it can get a little stale. So, but then there's, the guy mm. I, I was never very OCD until I, until I became a software engineer and I, I got super fucking OCD. I, I think it's something that it, it, it's, it's a, uh, it, it is a trait that a lot of software engineers have well, OCD about shit. If I do the, this collection of things, then I'll be able to solve this problem and I'll be able to move on. You know, it's just that well, mindset. Be, I think being neat, tidy and orderly and doing excellent work is not a disorder, which I said this to a friend of mine who saw my place and it was, she's like, are you OCD? And I'm like, you know, being neat and tidy is not a disorder. And she went, oh, no, sorry. no, that's what <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, I don't know what you call OCD. I have some friends with some OCD, like actual OCD stuff, and it's that's hairy. That's a very different kind of like mental yeah, it's illness. Not, it's not what you're talking about yeah, for that's me. Yeah, crazy thing. For, for me, it's like if I leave this door open and I wear this hat or I wear this shirt today or I, I wear this pair of sneakers, then then everything's going to be okay. I believe in your magic. Because the last time I wore this stuff, everything was okay. Well, then, of course, it's going to work out. You know, we'll see. Yeah. Do we All cover right. everything? Oh, we got to, we got to draw a card. Got to draw a card. I got a, a card, card ready. Does everybody else have a card uh, ready? Hopefully the, the, the drum roll this time will be padded correctly. Michael. Are you doing it? All right. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Oh, I'm mine's backwards. No. Yeah, I still like, got to do the mirror thing with my camera. Like, what? I haven't done that yet. What does mine say? Anu's is uh, in, in, in total darkness or in a very large room, very quietly. I like that. Michael's is define an area as safe and use it as an anchor. Yeah. I've got work at a different speed work at a different speed all right reverse. i don't know if i like mine reverse i i, I appreciate no? it well it's a useful tool you, you need to have kind of a safe space like a you know what do they call those safe rooms you know where you like go in there and <laughs> door closes and no one can get you mm-hmm. a, panic a panic room, room. thank you panic some emotional room. emotional panic stability room. in my panic room Anyway, I think D has a panic hat on. He's just all, dude. It's my panic safe. hat. It's it's my it's my. I sure hope the Rams are going to win today. Hat. Define an area as safe and use it as an anchor. An anchor to drag yourself down to the bottom of the sea. Or give your mind a safe space to to be right. sick. For a minute. 
Make make your make a research spike for yourself and put it on a Trello board. I like it. And and mark it go sick, and that that's your safe space. I like it. Man, this thing is a, we don't use this, this stuff thing enough. We, we, I love special it. effects. Oh, it's the best. We do, we don't really use it that much. Well, the dermal, I think, is it's you know we're getting into a groove here. Yeah, but we need some like transitions, and we need we need we need more, some some more ano baritone voice stuff, voiceover stuff. Yeah, we can do that. We put some stingers and some instrumental music and stuff in there too. Yeah, yeah. you know, dun dun dun. Before we announce something. All right. Well, we'll see everybody next week here on Music, Mindfulness, and Madness. Until then, play some music, stay mindful, avoid the madness. (laughs) Wow. That's the end stinger. That's good stuff. I love it. All right, amigos. I'll catch you next week. Okay. Howdy. Go Rams.